Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo with Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. This week on the podcast, we will be discussing the new film in theaters, The Favorite, starring Rachel Weiss, Emma Stone, and Olivia Coleman, directed by the Greek freak Largos Lanthimos, Yorgos Lanthimos, Largos Yanthimos, something, Yorgos. whatever, Yorgos, obviously. Uh, we're going to move on to a discussion about him and his uh, filmography and his direction as he seems to be a bit of a rising star and top everything off with our top five battles for power. I am a person of honor, even if my station is not. Even if I were the last one left in this wretched place, I would remain a lady. <laughs> You're pretty when outraged. So my secrets are safe with you? All of them. Even your biggest secret. Abigail. <gasps> if you forget to load the pellet, the gun fires, makes a sound, but releases no shot. It is a great jape, do you agree? Yes. Maybe we will think of a use for it one day. Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I do fear confusion. And accidents. I'm sure people will be careful. Okay, guys. So The Favorite is uh, the newest film from a director that we will obviously discuss more as we go through this podcast, um, but is definitely a director to keep an eye on. And this is his most critically acclaimed movie to date. It has a 91 on Metacritic, which is something that certainly caught our eye and I think is what uh, drove us to seeing this movie over my suggestion of Green Book, the overly sentimental film directed by Dumb and Dumber's Peter Farrelly. <laughs> I mean, I think you just answered your own question right there. <laughs> but uh, what I, what I kind of want to ask you guys is, like, what drives you to a movie like this, aside from the 91-point score on Metacritic? Because we have clearly a period piece, a costume drama, a director that, I, despite perhaps his rising star, isn't one that we have ever really talked about or had our eye on. So why did you guys push to see this? Uh, or why did you push against me to see this movie? I mean, I can answer it simply. I, I do like him as a director. Um, Dogtooth... <laughs> Dogtooth's one of my favorite movies of that year. It, it, and he's... Like, he's really fucked up. This guy, like, the way... the He's so unique in his style and his writing. Um, and he's so sort of, like, screwed up that, like, anything he makes, you know you're not going to get your typical, you know, period piece costume drama. You know there's going to be something there that's going to, um, like, throw you for a loop that's going to keep you interested and. In, like as a director, I re I really like him. I mean, I, I wasn't as big a fan um, uh, of the Lobster as I am of this, but I know like people all really like the Lobster too. And um, Dogtooth, if you guys get a chance to see it, it's definitely definitely worth seeing. But it's it's like it's one of those things where you laugh when you know you shouldn't be laughing and i i love that i love that he can do that and he has that fact, uh martin mcdonough syndrome exactly and like the fact that he can bring that ability to a movie makes me interested <clears throat> okay chapin you haven't seen his other movies have you no i haven't i've been a little so, um yeah so what about you so you obviously have a different perspective um i liked the trailer the trailer I thought blew me really? away, and it's gotten um, really a lot of awards attention. And uh, yeah, I think um, more than you guys, uh, I really love I really love these kind of like interior costume dramas, um, which have kind of been explored 
a lot in cinema and even more so in literature. Um, and it was this trailer was just of like, of course, in literature, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean, right? You know, like th- these ideas are. I've heard of those books. Yeah, you, you've gotten the cliff. You've uh, you know stolen the cliff notes all of <laughs> the past year college classes. Um, and uh, this looked like a. You know, I really like those, and I like the especially the ideas they explore. But they aren't always the most you know fast moving, entertaining kind of cutting edge filmmaking. It's kind of a lot of. Uh, you know, dialogue driven and things like that. Uh, but uh, this looks like a like a totally different take on um, those type of movies, and it just looked beautiful, beautifully filmed, and unconventional, and like uh, like a blast of a time. Um, and of course, it's it seems to be you know, no pun intended, like a favorite for uh, the Oscars this year. Well, compared to the other two movies I've seen of his, which are Dogtooth and The Lobster, this is actually relatively tame, and the narrative is actually pretty yeah. straightforward in comparison to those. I know, Lee, you've seen um, the Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell one, which I really want to see. but To Kill a Sacred Deer, yeah. And was that, how, how was that as far as tonally? I mean, it's totally a Lanthimos movie. I mean, it's super fucked up. Um, it has some... Um, I, I suppose some supernatural elements to it that you're either going to buy into or you're not. Um, I absolutely loved that movie, and I officially chalked it up as my favorite movie of 2017. Oh wow! Of last year, I loved it. I was glued to it. Um, it and is it more of a drama than um, it is? It is, okay. and it's a ominous, slow, patient drama, and it's it's great filmmaking. And you see a lot of the same things that you see in the favorite. Um, I don't obviously want to spend too much time talking about that. Um, I also saw his movie, The Alps, which, contrarily to Sacred Deer, I couldn't get through. Wow. <laughs> um, but with The Favorite, for me, like I, I had very little interest in seeing this, as you guys probably figured out through our text chain. I, um, I don't tend to really be drawn to the costume drama, uh, but you know, oddly, I often find many of them to be very good. But in this case, I wasn't really drawn by the trailer. Um, the award recognition, Chapin, that you referred to, I chalked up to the typical award recognition that these types of movies tend to get. And I've come accustomed to ignoring because they always seem to just get it regardless of the quality of the movie. Um, but uh, to move forward a little bit with this movie, you know, my biggest takeaway was Lanthimos. Like, this is a movie that needed needed to be directed. And whether that is kind of, uh, you know, to what you were saying, Jeremy, um, it being sort of this, you know, fucked up satirical spin on a genre, um, or whether it's just the filmmaking in general is something to kind of study, uh, is what I took away from this. What the movie was as a whole was kind of what I expected. Um, it really? Had, you expected this? No, just in terms of of the story and and the I guess the outline of the movie, it was on the surface a pretty standard costume drama um, about the Queen of England. I mean, it was it, it didn't go too far beyond that. It had Lanthimos's touch, which I think was what we'll probably spend the majority of our time discussing, and we should get into. But other than that, there I don't think there was a whole lot here. Wow. I I mean I. That's interesting. So I, are, I liked this are you movie. saying I didn't you don't like it? it? Yeah. No, okay, I liked so it. Like- I enjoyed this movie. I don't want to. I don't want to suggest that. But it was. It was far from the ninety-one Metascore that it's it's gotten for me. Oh, I disagree. I th- I thought this movie was amazing. I loved the fact that we're that he took this sort of costume drama and and made it into something that pitted two characters against each other in this like amazing. Um, dynamic for for power, as we're going to get into with our top five. But like, right, but that piece I don't think was was Lanthimos as much. Like that was in the script. Like the 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 battle for power was, I feel like, kind of within the fabric of the costume drama, for lack of a better term. Like no, but like it was him because it it wasn't portrayed in the same way. If 
you know, if Peter Jackson had done this movie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was portrayed in a much more screwed up individual. Like, that's what I liked about it. It was like personal. It was like on this very personal level, even though there was a war going on and they had to deal with that. Like it was this literally the dynamic between these three women. And I thought all of them were exceptional in this movie. The performances? The the performances. Like, it's the best I've seen um, Emma Stone ever. Um, She's an interesting actress. I think we should talk about her more, but go ahead. No, I just... I also think it's interesting she decided to do one of his movies, you know? Like, um, but... Because the other two are in The Lobster, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, when Rachel Weiss is very, I think, very particular about the movie she picks, for sure. Like, you don't see her a lot, but she shows up in, I think, or I think she makes intelligent choices, at least, about the movie she makes. And I, yeah, I thought in Olivia <clears throat> Coleman was amazing as well. So She was great. I, yeah. I, I give this movie a lot of credit for its casting and um, just kind of what these... Uh, characters had to go through because it being a um, uh, Lanthimos movie. Yeah, it's interesting, Lee. Uh, well, I, you, I think you uh, you refer to it a little bit, but there's she, he he wrote all his other uh, these other the other two movies we've been talking about, but he did not write this movie. Right. And you chalked a lot of things up to the script, but I thought the script was rather unconventional too. I mean, you you don't really you don't hear a lot of fucks and cunts in um, <laughs> <Yeah>. in costume <laughs> dramas, true. you know. And uh, I I very much believe those were the scripts and. Um, I mean, I think what's also interesting is that you you also don't you don't you also don't see that sort of gritty kind of the reality of what it was like to live in these times. You know, the idea of of disease and gout, and despite the fact that these are like the richest people in the world, you're they they do kind of live in these filthy circumstances where uh, disease is rampant and they feel kind of helpless um, and all these other elements. And I think. <clears throat> There, there, there is something sort of inherently absurd about uh, these, the way these people live and their their day to day decisions and the idea of a monarchy. And I think Lanthimos just like his style just like elevated that and represented that so perfectly here. That was that was his sort of contribution to me to me here. Like I, I again, I don't, I, I I'm really uh, unfortunately haven't seen those other two movies. I wish I had, and I, I plan to watch them. Uh, in the next week or so, uh, just in time, but, um, just in time for the next podcast, (laughs) just so I can make comments (laughs) on the next one. But, um, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I sort of inherently shy away from, you know, weird for weirdness sakes. You know, I, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not really into that kind of like, uh, unconventional, strange, um, directing style, uh, unless it's for a purpose, but that's what I felt he brought to this movie was like, this is an absurd way to live. Like we often look back at, um, you know, the, in the, into the past and, and we, we chuckle at how backwards people were, but like this really was outrageous the way these people were living and how this, you know, kind of feeble woman was being manipulated to, you know, (laughs) Where, where presumably thousands of people are die from her from her decisions, and um, you know it's 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 yeah. a, it's ridiculous. Whoever goes down on her better. Gets yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like you say, thousands of people died because of her decisions, which is true. But the movie you did not care it. about yeah. that. You <laughs> see never that see it. You literally never leave that castle. You know that the stakes are high, but it doesn't matter. It, like it, it's really about her day to day, and which is so smart in a way to do, like just to well, to keep it contained within the, those walls. And they do a good job with Nicholas Holt's character, who I thought was so good in this movie. I loved him in this movie, of like having him be the opposition, but still sort of playing on that same idea of like we don't really care what's going on on the outside, but we got you know here's this character that is voicing the opinion of that outside 
And but look, only because he gonna... doesn't want to pay the taxes for the war. Like he doesn't right. care about people dying. You guys are going to hear me agree with a lot of the things you're saying. And and I left this movie, uh, and I immediately compared it to my feelings that I had with Phantom Thread. Um, <clears throat> I you know, I I enjoyed this movie. I think I, it's more it weirdly more digestible than Phantom Thread. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. It's, it's not a better movie, but it's definitely yeah. more digestible on a minute-to-minute basis. For me, though, the comparison I make is because I, you know, I, I marveled at the direction. I enjoyed it. I, th- I there was some good laughs, and I thought the acting. You have a laugh. And, and, but <laughs> you know, as an experience, as a movie-going experience, it was similar to me as it was with Phantom Thread. It wasn't something that I was. You know, particularly enthralled with as I was watching. And really, you didn't you didn't find the dynamic between those characters enthralling? So and so like I, who's gonna I, win, who's gonna lose, and like not, how not, it plays not out. Not as much as I would have liked. I mean, I I did like it, and oh, I actually one I thing I thought that was really good with it was the pacing of that of that uh, dynamic of those, especially you know of the kind of the the. Um, I mean, let's just the say com- the power battle between the, Rachel exactly, Weiss power, and, and, Emma and Emma Stone. Exactly. Like the the pacing of that was was probably perfect. You know, you never you never it never was rushed to see like who was going to do the next thing to get ahead. But it never took things so slowly that you were like, OK, what's really going on? It wasn't being too subtle. I thought that was done really well. And I and I really admire uh, Lanthimos as a director. And um, I think. Um, we should get into shortly, you know, his his decisions with his camera, which is a whole nother uh, discussion. But, you know, the way he told this story, I think, was really disciplined and really good. Um, I just think the story didn't grasp, didn't get me. Like, I just, unfortunately, it, it wasn't one that really pulled me uh-huh. in. And, and for me, like, again, everything you guys just t- said, I agree with 100%. And that's going to be the story of this podcast. I'm not going to disagree with really anything you said. I think it's really just a, a, a situation where it didn't get me as much as I would have liked. I I, I, I agree with you. Um, I, dis- I just disagree with how you how it affects the rest of the movie. I mean, I was I was not really invested in who who was going to win. You know, I... I, I I, I was intrigued. I was watching this movie, uh, you know, as, with as much interest as I was watching anything. But I'm, I wasn't um, particularly cared one way or the other who who came out on top for for pardon the pun. Um, and uh, <laughs> sex. And so, but uh, but it it didn't make it any less interesting for me. Do you know, does that make sense? Like I agree. Like the, I I wasn't. I wasn't really interested in in where this plot was going, and maybe even at times I found myself a little bit bored with it. But to be honest, like I think you just made you sort of proved my point for me with what you just said, Lee. Like Lanthimos is a is a very um, smart and um, uh, you know bold director, and sometimes his style can be is, is his style kind of dictates this whole movie. But somehow these three performances are able to come out you know with you know beyond you know within his style and and that's really i was just sort of fascinated with these three women and um that was what was keeping me interested and i think uh it, it wasn't it was sort of despite the story it wasn't like in, at the, because of it but i never i never had a problem with how the plot was developing yeah i mean i get what you guys are saying like i the, the plot itself was kind of secondary to the story if that makes any sense like yeah, like who won, who lost, didn't really matter. But I was, I think, a little more fascinated than you guys with how it unfolded within the the framework of the movie and the performances by those three women, as well as the dynamic uh, of those characters, kept me enthralled throughout the whole thing, and I did care to see it through to the end, and I wanted to know. Like, I didn't care who. Like, it wasn't about like. You know, it's not like uh, Armageddon or something where, you know, you you either blow up the asteroid or the world comes to the end. But I, I wanted to follow through with with how where this story was taking me. And I was glued to it minute by minute based on the direction, based on their performances and based on the plot, all, all three together. Um, which I think he did a great job of navigating. Mm. 
I like how every movie really just comes back to a comparison with Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, right. where does it stem off from there? It's really the perfect film. Where we're just, <laughs> just constantly going <laughs> to... We're come... constantly trying to find a movie yeah. that's better, but we can't. Um, Although I do I do think this movie deserved a better ending. Then I feel like it... Like, all of his other movies, the, the story itself, the structure doesn't really matter. This one, it kind of mattered uh, and was important. And because of that, I... F- feel like it deserved a better ending than yeah it got. what was your takeaway from what that was i mean I, so I, I guess before you guys answer that does he in the other two movies um or in his other films does he do that split screening stuff a lot i guess it's not split screening but kind of like layer dissolves on top of each other where um you've got like two different characters look like he was layering sort of three different images on top of each other um and they're kind of dissolved into each other. That that was what they did with the last shot. And I'm wondering if he did does that in other other movies. Well, so I mean, I, I didn't remember. I didn't get to the end of Alps as I mentioned. I couldn't get through it. It was uh, a tough one for me. He doesn't do that in in Sacred Deer, and I don't. He no, he doesn't do it in Lobster either. It just cuts to black at the end of Lobster. But yeah. Um. But that does lead us into a discussion on him a little bit, where where I want to, you know, especially with this movie, you know. Does his style, do you guys, or I mean, I think it does, but I think to what degree does his style of filmmaking serve the story? Because with yeah, there's Sacred a lot Deer, of like it's perfect, and and that was what I loved so much about it. But here, you know, the camera lens choices, like fish-eyed lenses, the, and... the movements, like uh, he's clearly a director to study, and I think like it would require require repeated viewings of all his movies to really kind of uncover some of the answers. But I think it's worth discussing, like how much his directorial decisions serve the stories. I, I loved it. I thought the I mean, so he he uses that he uses a six millimeter lens, which is t- you you never see stuff like that so wide and so it, wide. It's the wide yeah it's it's it is a fisheye lens, and so basically if you're if there's a a, a horizontal line in the frame it's going to be completely bent and um you know warped uh but what do you think he was getting at I, with that I, I don't really know what it, it, it i mean it, it I, the sort of the most obvious thing is that it's sort of the absurdity of it's it, right. it has this kind of absurd quality to it but i think beyond that you you get these you you really get the sense of this of the of this space and all these like ridiculous kind of wigged and sort of the the pageantry of everything kind of filling this sort of ornate space and um but without really making it look sort of traditionally beautiful i mean you could have like a gorgeous kubrick-esque wide shot of those interiors and it would it would be too beautiful like you kind of have to see it through this fisheye lens where you are literally seeing every corner of a room like the crew must have there must have been one you know, cameraman operating the camera and hiding behind right. it um, because of how much that lens can see. But like, you just see everything and the way they're packed into this little space. And, and, and it's also like your eyeballs can't concentrate on one thing. Yeah, because you're, yeah, you're there's... looking around the frame, you're finding out what's happening in the left corner, you're finding out what's happening in the right corner. So, and he, he, um, so he does he uses that obviously and then he uses he even uses just like traditional wide angle lenses in small spaces and yeah you know and the fish i think i totally agree with i think it is the idea is it's suggesting this absurdity which he clearly highlights in other areas like the wigs that these people are wearing are absurd like it's not like your typical period piece wig like um uh no, it might be. What's his be, name? Though. What's his name? What's his name that I already, I said earlier? Nicholas Holt. Name. Nicholas Holt's no, wig I think is like three is, feet high. No, but that, that, I think that's what they that is, wore back. Yeah, then. it's like a restoration. I don't know. They seemed kind of. they seemed like they seemed excessive, like purposely excessive to me. No, no, you're and right. It was like to like that, add to the absurdity. Of, but I think that was accurate. Oh, maybe. I mean, but either way, like I, I think it goes beyond that though, because he he uses that wide angle lens also in sacred deer and i don't know i read something about the idea behind the fisheye was to like hint every time he used it something like bad was going to happen after which seems very kind of pedestrian in that idea like it seems very simple but maybe that's it and i'd have to go back and watch again to see if that holds true but 
I feel like it's got to be more than just to suggest the absurdity of the situation to to make such a bold choice to use a lens like that. Yeah, no, I, I yes, I, I think that it, it is it, it is a little pedestrian. But, but I, what I think what I was kind of trying to say is that what that lens does is 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 show you these like cramped interiors filled with this all these all this decadent you know uh mise-en-scene and uh but not seeing it in but it is sort of innately beautiful like i think there are moments where i you know i i don't usually notice fashion in movies but like i love the way he costumed rachel vice for example and i thought he said a lot with those costumes as well but there are moments when I think you would you would you would sort of gasp at the beauty of that stuff, but the, when he when he shoots it with those lenses, you don't quite you don't Your quite attention like isn't totally drawn to it exactly. And and like Jeremy said, you aren't um, y- your eye isn't told where to look, and so you're it's kind of a confusing, but at the same time, it's not directing your attention anywhere. You're like. Um, I don't know if that answers your question anymore. Well, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you could make this, it, it would make sense because it would be the same idea behind the camera moves, that, that kind of spin that he uses mm-hmm. um, where it's like like on a tripod essentially and he just turns the camera to face the other person. So you, you get a glimpse of the room that they're in, but you don't really see it. So it gives you an idea of kind of this, the space and the scope of this place that they're living without drawing too much attention to it. So uh, that would make sense, I suppose. Um you know, I think I think it's I think that's all evidence of a good filmmaker and a smart filmmaker and a patient filmmaker and all the things we've said. But, you know, in this particular case, like I think the fact that we're searching for his motivation for it is evidence that it wasn't as clear here and it didn't serve the story quite as well as I think it has in some of his other movies. Maybe, but like I... I don't I don't like hold it against him because I can't figure out exactly I think it worked. I mean, I think like as a a viewer it kind of worked for the whole story just because I can't quantify or we can't quantify why he had to do it doesn't mean it did, like was the right. wrong choice. No, that's true. And for me it was the for me the reason it was also effective is because his direction and the choices he made is what I most grasped onto with this movie. So, you know, that was what I was most interested in. And and that's where I draw that comparison to Phantom Thread. I, the, my biggest takeaway from Phantom Thread was PTA. And my biggest takeaway from this was Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah, but I mean, I, okay, I, I guess maybe, maybe, because I, I haven't seen his other films, but I mean, I was sort of amazed by PTA's restraint in, in, in Phantom Thread, but still okay. his ability yeah. to kind of put himself in his on screen. It's it's not a perfect comparison because actually, yeah, you're right. Phantom Thread is, is, is perhaps uh, um, PTA's most non-draw attention to myself movie in many ways, but it was the filmmaking as a whole that I respected with that movie, and that was what but I sh- had here shouldn't all this serve the story like ultimately it shouldn't be about pta it shouldn't be right but that's where i struggled here yeah see i didn't struggle here because i think i think uh lanthimos served the story like ultimately but we're talking about go ahead well i i'm just i don't know like i i totally fell for this movie um and it's probably the favorite, my favorite movie so far. Favorite? Anyone? Oh, brilliant! Good. You spell it with the O U though. Yeah. So, but um, my thing is that this movie, like, so we're talking about, you know, his his choices of lens suggesting the absurdity of the situation, and you know, right, his, but in the wide angle showing, kind of subtly showing this, you know, the the setting that they're in and the situation that they're in. I agree, but, but that's, that's what we're doing. Story. We're talking you know, about that's it. not the like, story that we're we're seeing. So. That's where but my argument we're not gonna, this isn't what but this I, isn't. We're going to repeat well. the plot, you know. Like I, didn't I, I would it. urge no, people. I disagree. No, with no, you, I, I disagree with you, Lee. I think it. I think it was about that. I think. I think what he's trying to say is like this is what this is why this feels so absurd. These these people are in these 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 you know opulent, ridiculously 
these huge rooms, but they don't really have much of a life. They just sit there and play with rabbits and eat, you know, you know, yeah. decadent meals and and they're making these like world yeah, changing amazing. decisions, right? It sounds great. Yeah, but they If I could eat great meals and play with rabbits all day. Yeah, but but that's <laughs> an absurd way to live. And and these were the most powerful people on the planet and 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 he's he lets those rooms like I, I read the uh, American cinematographer article about this movie and he doesn't he doesn't do coverage uh, traditionally he doesn't do shot reverse shot he doesn't shoot oh we'll do this close up and this they just they just like must be short days yeah right and they they do um you know they they do uncon he does unconventional camera moves and things like that and uh, there was very little like lighting. They use a lot of natural light, but they are, these are interiors. So what did they do? They they um, let those windows blow out and let let all the light come in from those windows. And you feel that in this movie, you feel that like these are very you know nice, uh, beautiful rooms where rich people live. But they're also like there isn't a lot of like real uh, like there's 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 no electricity. There's no it, you know it might be hard to to see that you know you feel the way these rooms actually probably felt back in the day, which is not something I would expect from a kind of a surrealist. I guess he's not a surrealist, but like, you know, someone who kind of satirical, satirical. Yeah. Someone, um, but you, but his sort of dedication to that realism, I think helps you feel a part of um, these people's lives. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, like I said before, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. And for, I really just, I think he's a great filmmaker, and I think that this movie is evidence of that. I just, it didn't hook me from a story perspective, even though I liked the dynamic between the three characters. Like, it just, it wasn't something that totally pulled me in. I didn't feel like all the pieces really served each other, and as a result, it wasn't, you know, as high on my list as it clearly was for you guys. And this is still a good movie. I don't want to, I don't want to suggest that you know, this is a bad movie by any means, but um, can I, I uh, to it. can I bring a, up a question? Um, do you did you find any part of this movie timely? And what I mean by that is like watching the decision making of somebody who's powerful and in charge and and the fact that like we talked about earlier you never see any sort of repercussions outside of those walls. And I, 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 I sort of drew parallels to... Yeah, it's funny that you, you just said that because I... This day and age. I'm looking at the New York Times website and one of the editorial headlines is put down the golf clubs, visit the troops, which I think you could, you could basically apply right. to... Uh, exactly. Queen um, yeah, I mean, I think... I... I, I, I I think they may have stumbled on it a little bit, but, but yes, like I think, um, the, just the, this idea of, you know, rich, rich people controlling the world and, and being kind of insulated from their decisions. This is, this is an exaggerated example of that, of course, because is it though? I, I, I well, think, I mean, you don't have, you know, the, you don't have Twitter and the, you know, the 24 hour news cycle to tell you when you're, when you fucked up, but, um, right. Yeah, it's a little. I think it's exaggerated. Um, you know, choosing this particular setting and 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 Queen Anne in particular um, is is a is a perfect kind of exag you know exaggerating for the sake of of um, you know analogy here is is really is really smart. Well, I think it's a really uh, interesting discussion because you guys described it i believe in some terms as tone deaf with um martin mcdonough's um God, jesus three billboards yeah three billboards. I agree. yeah um but that there you have another uh director that isn't from the united states like yorgos lanthimos uh kind of from the outside looking what? in yorgos certain... isn't from the United States. <laughs> kind of from the outside looking in and regardless of you know the effectiveness of it or how what however you may see it they all or they each probably have somewhat of an objective viewpoint on what's going on in the world today and put their spin on it and chapin i probably lean towards what you said a little bit that it may have been stumbled upon a bit here i don't know that it was an intentional um 
thing that happened with this movie, but I, I think you're right. Like, I think there is something very topical about, you know, the characters in this movie and the, the consequences that we don't see in this movie. I mean, and, it certainly made me think about, like, decisions that are made up high and um, how, like, they're sort of isolated and they're real, um, like, what they want, like, like what they're thinking of day-to-day compared to what uh, the actual consequences are. Yeah. Sure, and I, and I think the reason it's so important, or interesting at least, to discuss is you have movies like this that, you know, aren't, uh, aren't directed at something like that specifically and you know it lend it, it leads to a conversation where then you also have movies like blind spotting which i haven't seen and then all, what, what really comes to mind chapin we talked about widows last week with that like terrible throwaway scene of you know the cop killing the black guy at the traffic stop in in that movie you know trying to approach these topical things in a very direct way and not really working where here it's it's not even something that most people will point out but i think it's an interesting discussion that it is in the subtext yeah i think uh i think you're right i think i think it, i think it's a lot of we i mean we discussed before we started rolling you know the idea of you know even in making movies where someone in power might not know the consequences of their day-to-day decisions affecting hmm. you know Interesting. You talking? i forget i, never, I, I don't, matter. no we won't say it we, we won't get say into that too too specifically but um uh let's move on quickly i just wanted to see what did you, you guys i assume you guys loved the all three performances yeah, I thought everyone was great. Like I said, it's my favorite Emma Stone performance, and uh, I mean, honestly, my favorite performance in it was Olivia Coleman, uh, who plays Queen Anne. I I have only known her uh, from a show called Peep Show, which I suggest people watch, which is re- a really funny funny British uh, British show. But um, that's the only experience I've ever had with her, and I. I was like, "Whoa, what what is she doing in him? She was she was amazing. I mean, we all know uh Rachel Weiss is uh, great. She's been great for years. Um and yeah, no, I mean, you, I think I think it You of course know Olivia yeah. Coleman from The Office, too. Yeah. The British Office? Yeah. Oh, I forgot she was in that. But what me as well. Brent Brent <laughs> quipped. <laughs> I forgot she interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> and she's great in that little little role, yeah. too. So, at risk of being controversial, um, and I do think all the performances were great in this. Olivia Coleman was fantastic. Like I said, I loved Nicholas Holt in this movie. I sp- perhaps take Rachel Weisz for granted, and I admired Emma Stone doing this movie, but I don't know. I, I wasn't blown away by really anybody as much as I had hoped maybe Olivia Coleman was above and beyond here. Um, and wrong. I think, well, no. And look, it's, it's hard because I, I, you know, Emma Stone, I think is probably the best that I've ever seen her, which is a credit to her. And like I said, I respect her for doing this movie, but I'm not a huge fan of hers. So uh, I don't I'm not know either. that. I'm not either. I, and yeah, I thought, no, she was... I think we're all on the same page yeah. here because I, I don't think Emma Stone's so maybe, great normally. Maybe it's not fair to, you know, that her performance here is downgraded as a result of that, but it always is the case where your expectations of somebody are higher so or lower. So, you know, it, I, I tried to weigh that. I, I tried to be disciplined when watching these performances because I did go into this movie kind of like I mentioned before, that this is a movie that always gathers critical acclaim, always gathers Oscar recognition, always gathers especially performance recognition. So I went into it guarded a little bit, and kind of all, and I, and maybe this is, is undisciplined and, or unfair to, so maybe everybody got a, a notch down or a notch off because of that. And, but that was sort of where I stand. I mean, I think the performances were good. Like, I think they were all r- perfect for the roles. I, and I, like I said before, you know, regardless of how I felt as a movie as a whole, I thought the dynamic between the three of them was really good. Um, but I, I I went away from the movie most impressed with Nicholas Holt, who was you know not top build. Really, like what? I, I, I loved I, him in this I, movie. Okay, but but uh. that's just a bad. But that like, isn't to say that the other ones were bad. Like I just think that was just what I took away from it. 
Really? I, it was it's like so one, weird because one I was note kind of performance. I mean, he was no he way. Was, he was. I great. agree. He was I good. agree. No one way. note. Lee, come on. This is like, I mean, this is these women's movie. I mean, the other the, the men are so non consequential and no. But it's a, but if you but if you put everything on a, a, pl- a level playing field in terms of performance, though, it's you grade it that way. Like it's not like. Olivia Coleman, I feel like, stole the show in terms of her performance. But in terms of just like the acting and like what I took away, I just liked him in it. But I, I, that isn't me suggesting that he was the best actor in the movie. I don't know if like this totally makes sense, but I mean, I, yeah, I, I, so I, yeah, I see what you're saying. I just you don't, were surprised. I don't by understand. Him. I thought he was good too. I don't understand how you can leave that 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 hit that movie with being like, "Hey, know who I really liked? <laughs> the man." <laughs> no, but that is kind of how it was. It was, I, but I don't. Know. All right, I expected greatness from Rachel Vice. Olivia Coleman. Honestly, I really I expected her to be great in it. I I've liked her in all the other things I've seen her in. This is obviously her meatiest role, but I expected her to be good. And and you know, like I said, with Emma Stone, like I. It's un. I suppose it's odd that because I'm not a huge fan of hers, I hold her to a higher standard. Uh, that seems a little, sort of backwards. But no, Emma Stone has sort never of done anything like this. Like this is no, totally and that's why I really respected the choice which I, I, she made yeah, exactly. to make it. That was my biggest takeaway with her. Like I think this was a, I think this is a smart career choice. I think she was good in the role. So I think I, I would love if she continued down this path instead of just the Ryan Gosling Ryan Gosling rom coms, but. Um, you know, she does, again, one like, of, she does one of those movies that you never forgive her for, and then she's great in this movie, and you walk away loving Nicholas. <laughs> I hold Holt. her against her. I know. <laughs> no, and I took uh, away. Sorry, from I, I, I just hate Holt. those movies when her love interest is Ryan Gosling and Jonah Hill. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I just, um, I just thought Olivia Coleman was was just off the charts amazing in this movie, and I just I loved, agree. I think she was amazing. Yeah, I just I loved Rachel Vice's character. I mean, she she could uh, maybe the performance wasn't. I, I thought she was. I just loved her character. I loved what she did okay. with that role. Um, she's so, like yeah. four years older than Olivia Coleman, but looks like a ama- she. She's like nearly fifty years oh, yeah, old. She looks amazing. Looks amazing. Yeah. Like most of oh, her- she's older than Olivia Coleman. Yeah. She's uh, she's forty eight. Yeah. Yeah. And she oh, just geez. she just has this like uh, a luminous face and um, oh I, I mean she she was so, so okay. I loved her character and I like I so mean I, I will I, agree with that a hundred percent so I, I I almost exactly what you said like even if her performance wasn't as good as Coleman's I loved her she was my favorite character in the movie like kind of her like her her intensity but also like her vulnerability like because no one's ever challenged her before. Like she has this like kind of taken by surprise, uh, like emotion when Emma Stone decides that she's gonna push back, and it's great. And it's I I totally agree. I loved her character. You see a lot, Doctor. But are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you Why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Maybe you're afraid. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. You fly back to school now, little starting. Fly, fly, fly. So this week, top five, battles for power. Uh, if we didn't at least allude to it, Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone have a bit of a battle for power in The Favorite, and we thought we would take a look at other movies that deal with that same dynamic, and I think all of our criteria, at least in some way, shape, or form, kind of fell on the idea that it was, you know, individual battles for power. We weren't looking at, like, a war where it was the U.S. versus the British or something like that. Um, but you guys can USA. get into more specific criteria. I have a good amount of honorable mentions, so... If um, you guys want me to go last in case we have any repeats, we could do it that way. Um, so yeah. any criteria from you guys? 
Uh, no. No, Jeremy. Well, my criteria was like you said, it just it, it it had to be individuals. It wasn't about sort of a group or team or like you know, it had to be an individual. That's pretty much my criteria. Sure. Mine, mine was a little less um, focused on for power as opposed to just like the the individuals facing off against each other. Yeah, I suppose I had that a little bit too. Like it, power. Chapin's number one is face off. Well, yeah, that yeah. actually is my number five is Nicholas Cage and John Travolta <laughs> in face off. Is it really? It is. Okay. There that movie go. is so ridiculous. Yeah, so what? We just got done talking about Armageddon as the pinnacle of filmmaking. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um,. When was the last time either of you guys have seen that movie? Uh, too recently than I'd like to admit. Yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> I I've I hate to say this, but I've actually never seen it. Oh my god! What, really? Yeah, yeah, I've never seen Face Off. I mean, it's Cage and Travolta at their best. Actually, that movie probably defines their careers better than any other movie. Like, for like, for two actors who have been in great movies and have turned in great performances but also have been in probably some of the worst movies with some of the worst performances yeah right <laughs> like face off with those two facing off with each other just seems so appropriate absolutely okay what's my so, number five you're boring now you're that boring shape and yeah, now that we've kicked, Facebook, ever, kicked face everything off, off so well here <laughs> all right mine oh, you want me to go next my yeah. number five is uh, a few good men, Tom Cruise, uh, Jack Nicholson, facing off. Oh, God, you have to say it every time. Um, for uh, the court, like in the courtroom drama, we all know it. Everybody knows it. Why do I have to explain it? He can't. There's something he can't. He can't handle. He can't handle something. What something, was it? Yeah. 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 Okay, I got my number five is Bud Buzz versus Woody. Buzz facing Ooh. off against Woody in Toy Story. But they're friends. They are eventually. They end up being friends, but they're sort of kind of battling for the power over the toys and how they live their life as toys, uh, and 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 that's the impetus for their relationship. Okay. Um, I'm I feel a, like I feel like none of us have been high on each other's picks so far. Well, my well, we've only had two. I'm just looking at my list, and it's just a it's just a um, it's just a reworking of my favorite movies. Um, <laughs> and so in that in that same uh, in that uh, spirit, I uh, it's uh, Anton Chigurh and um, Llewellyn. What's his name? Llewellyn. Um, forget that. Forget his uh, Llewellyn Llew- uh, in Llewellyn No Country Davis. for Old Men. No, Llewellyn we'll Davis. Llewellyn is, Davis. Their <laughs> next movie. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Wait, do they ever meet? No, they don't. That's well, they do. They you never, never meet. see it on. You never see it on screen. But they are. That's the movie. Is those two? And that's right. Yeah. But they never have like a head to head. No, well, they don't have to. We don't see it. It's off screen. I think that's a good pick. Thank you. I don't. Hey. <laughs> My number four is uh edward norton versus edward norton in fight club the oh the that's battle, a good pick yeah the the battle between who that's wins why you showed the, me that picture of brad pitt before yeah well <laughs> that i showed lee earlier i was uh, just a picture of brad pitt with his shirt off he's like that's not so had nothing to do with this yeah because is it your pick edward norton <laughs> well it's 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 the brad pitt edward norton versus the uh that's a good uh, pick the untitled nameless character Edward Norton. That scene in the car where he said this we were supposed yeah. to be in this together. Yeah. I don't know. Good. I don't know exactly. that this is a that's a great pick. I get it's right. one of the best picks there that's, could be. I feel like no, that's I feel like that's a very like Lee trying to like be What are you talking about? Pick. Literally he has to figure out he yeah, literally they, has to shoot Brett his himself in the face to get rid of that one of those characters. To kill one of those characters. It's a power struggle throughout the movie. Who's going to win? All right. Good versus evil. Pitt versus Norton. <laughs> All right. <I> got... <laughs> Jesus. All right. Okay. I'm going to go deep here for my number four. This is a movie I really haven't seen in a long time. Would very, very much be interested in seeing again. 
Um, we'll see if you guys can tell me what it's from when I list the characters. I'm not going to try to pronounce the actors' names. Um, it's actually three characters uh, going against each other in a battle for power. Really, it's two of them against the other one, but either way, it is Taro versus Yiro versus Saburo. Are those beers? Are those Japanese beers? <laughs> from Akira Kurosawa's Ron. Oh, wow. Look at us. That's impressive. So it's a great movie. I Again, I have to see it again. I remember really liking it. Um, it's basically Kurosawa's take on King Lear. Um, Taro and Yiro and Saburo are brothers who are sort of um, basically given the kingdom by their father. And long story short, they compete for power. Taro and Yiro sort of, at least at the beginning, team up versus Saburo. But it's all kind of... Uh, ends up being a battle for power. That's the he's not in that movie, surprisingly. Love, that's my favorite thing when you guys do that. It is Kurosawa's run. It's one of the more racist things we do too, but yeah, worth, you know, wor- worth it. Worth it for the laughs. <laughs> Some things we won't laugh at. That's not one of them. All right, Chapin, All right, what do you got? Okay, uh, my number three is... Wait, wait, wait. Are yeah, you on... We're on threes. Oh, then I should start. If we're already on threes, I started this thing out. No, I started. With face-off, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. you're right. So, so we just after uh, Jeremy's killed the entire momentum of the top five, I'll go and say... Wait, did we get Jeremy's number four, though? Yeah. Fight Club. Uh, oh, yeah. You loved it. Okay. Right. Okay. It was a brilliant, brilliant pick. My number five is... My number three <laughs> <You're> is... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, is... We're not real bright. Eli Sunday v. Daniel Plainview and There ah, Will Be Blood. Man, that's well, a, who's he... Who's he struggling for power against himself? Eli Sunday. Eli Sunday. Yeah, that's a great pick. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Paul Dano. Um, but you, but your your point is, I'm glad you brought that up, Jeremy, because so so often we we think of this movie as it being just Daniel Plain. Yeah, Daniel yeah, Plainview, Plain and for, for the most part, it is. But I think this is a very interesting. It was a part that I was very so interested in. I think when I initially saw this movie, this the idea of the you know the struggle with the you know faux religion and. I thought that was thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's a good pick. Actually, no, and, and actually There Will Be Blood was a movie that I was looking at for this list because you think of Daniel Plainview and kind of the rise to power angle there, but I was grasping at who he's battling with, so I'm glad you found that. And we know we know of course the battle when he says he's finished at the end because he's he's yep. bludgeoned. And he Eli has the line Sunday. too, I have a competition in me. Yep. I want no one else to succeed. Brilliant. That's a good pick. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good pick. All right. Uh, my number three is uh, Leo DiCaprio and Matt Damon in The Departed. Oh, uh, so I had an honorable mention as Alec Baldwin and Matt Damon in The Departed. No, it's two different sides of the same coin there. They, they don't even know that they are in a power struggle against each other, but they are throughout the movie. Yeah, I think that's um, a really nice, really nice pick. Which is, which is, of course, makes it way more interesting because yeah, they're they're that. they're both like struggling for the power, yeah, uh, and the sort of the favor of um, Jack Nicholson, but for different reasons, and then right, the favor right. of their chief. exactly, yeah. and to have a like unknown enemy that you know you're facing, but you just don't know who that who person is is. Yeah. is, is really interesting. Do you guys find it interesting that that movie won Best Picture? I think it's a it's a subject worth talking about. I've heard a lot of people think of it now what as, was up against as it? kind of being absurd that it won, um, and it's kind of thought of as being like a conciliatory you know, Oscar, honorary, honorary pick, Oscar yeah. for Scorsese. Did it win Best Picture? It, it, it did. Yeah, it, did. it won Best Director. I don't remember it winning Best. No, picture. it did. It, it, did, it yeah. definitely did. Wow. Um, I I I love that movie, and I, I too, I've yeah. grown to love it more and more. Um, uh, but Chapin, we saw that in LA. Yeah, I remember that, and we didn't really like it the first time we saw it. Yeah. 2007, guys. How do you feel about that? Well, it was 2006. We were in, oh. Okay, so I would argue that the the competition that year wasn't stiff. Um, Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, The Queen, and Little Miss Sunshine. 
Oh, wow, yeah. But, I mean, The Departed is a great movie. It is, like, no, for at, sure. end of the day, it's an amazing movie. Um, that'll, uh, that, that same question will come up um, with another one of my picks coming up. But before we get to that, my number three is another three-way, another menage. It is Diana versus Max versus Frank, a.k.a. Faye Dunaway versus William Holden versus Robert Duvall in Network. Yeah, I wanted to put Network on this list, but I just hadn't seen it recently enough to be, like, sure. Yeah, I recently rewatched it, actually. Um, such a great script. Um, I suppose, I, I guess I wasn't as high, like, I wasn't as high on it this time around as I have been the last time I saw it, but it is, the, the script is so good. It's so smart. The acting is so good, and um, that that dynamic between those three characters especially is really interesting because it's actually, I mean, while it is sort of a three-way battle it's really kind of like faye dunaway versus uh robert duvall william holden versus robert duvall like they're not really like all competing with each other they're all sort of also on the same side it's a very interesting dynamic uh that really creates some good drama in that movie not to mention william holden and faye dunaway get it on so yeah fast forward to that (laughs) god they're both like dead now (laughs) Faye Dunaway still looked good in that movie. I mean, Faye William Dunaway Holden was like 80. Dead. Might as well be. She doesn't look her best anymore. God. Okay. Um, my number two is uh, Stand By, Neil McCauley, and um, Alec oh my God, Baldwin. How did I not think of this? In uh, Heat. In... Not Sorry. Alec Baldwin. Who? Alec. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Al Pacino in Heat. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's a great that's pick. How a, that's did, a better. That pick. should be a number one. That I should mean, be a number one pick. I personally, I think the Alec Baldwin battle is better. Yeah, with Neil McCauley. But, yeah. No, that's a great pick. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, me neither. That's a great pick. Way to go. Way to win. Thanks. It. It's not even my number we one start- yet. I know. I I can't wait for that. So, are we ever gonna decide? Like, we're we gonna have a winner for these top fives. Well, you didn't. We were like talking about idea. that earlier. You didn't like the idea of of winning and losing. Yeah, but me yeah, and Jeremy were talking well, about I've it earlier, and we realized that it is just a competition. Like, we're all we are each trying to beat each other. Yeah, we each we each have a competition in There's us. A competition in us. All right, my what are we on? Number twos. Yep, number twos. So my number two is, uh, well. You know what? You can't pretend he didn't exist. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> and and uh, who was... I think it was Chaz, Chaz Palminteri yeah, in uh, The Usual Suspects. Because there was a power struggle there that looked like one was winning the entire time. And then, wait for it, twist. Shyamalan the twist. Other one, the other one wins. So... It's an interesting power dynamic because the the scales tip so abruptly. Yeah. Yeah, I like that no? too. No, no I like that's it. great. I think you could make a short film remaking that. Of course, you have to cast at least the verbal part again, but um, just just like a 30-minute play or something of, of just that dialogue between the two. Oh, you know, yeah, that would be interesting. A little bit. Yeah. Actually, that, I'm surprised that someone hasn't you guys we should chapin press pause so no one steals our idea like we should create a stage play of that that would be interesting yeah it's not it's not what literally what chapin said <laughs> i know but i'm i'm <laughs> pause wait a second I'm putting <laughs> the carlos stamp on it and i'm gonna steal it <laughs> story by lee carlo <laughs> all right my number two is maximus versus Commodus in gladiator Gladiator. Another movie that That's I question one, its yeah. best picture worthiness. Yeah, although I do think no. it's a good movie. Um, but that for sure is a battle for power in that movie. No, that's a great pick. But what are you guys' thoughts there on that? You know, now, what, 10 years later? Yeah, well, what, what was. I have a strong suspicion without looking it up that it was up against In the Bedroom that year, which is kind of a shame. But um, I loved that movie, but I'd have to see it again. What in the bedroom? Uh, yeah, that was a great movie. No, I know, but um, 
Let's see. Let's see. 2001. What Jeez. did I say? 10 years? Oh, my God. <laughs> 17 years ago. Yeah. Shook a lot. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Bra- Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic. Um, That's when we went to see every movie in the theater late. That was the times yeah. we yep. were like. God, those were great. Obsessed. Amazing times. Obsessed with seeing every movie. Those were amazing days. Traffic is a great movie. I think Traffic should have probably won yeah. out of that list. Or or shock a lot. No, I'm just I'm totally kidding. Um, so these are the days when you had to scroll all the way to the bottom to see what the best picture winner was. Jesus. Okay. Um. Uh, but Soderbergh won for Traffic for director. Hmm. Interesting. Has Ridley Scott ever won an Oscar for best director? I don't think he has. I really want to have that podcast on. Uh, I know we got a lot of a lot of responses the, the, about that. The the Scots. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, nominated num- for only four Oscars, never won. Mm. Okay, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. You're number two. Nope, my number one. No, I'm, I got to go first. Then you're number oh, one. Then you're number two. No, my number one. Our, my number two was Heat. Yeah, you're number one. Okay, my number one. We literally can't count. Is a movie that I just watched on Friday, and I'm glad that I did. And it was, it's Alfred Borden and Robert Angier from The Prestige. Oh, that's a great pick. That's a great pick. What a good movie. What an underrated movie. Honestly, I I finished watching that movie, and we were were watching it with one of Katie's friends who had never seen it before. And I was thinking about how, like, complex and layered it is. And and I was wondering, this might be a, this might be kind of a bold statement here, but is this Nolan's best movie? That or Memento. What what's amazing is that was the exact same thought I just had. That those are the two movies that we think of as maybe or Dunkirk. I, I'm not as big a fan of Memento no. as you guys are, but um. Well, and I'm not as big a fan of Dunkirk, but like I don't know, I don't know, Chapin. Like I would have to watch it again, but I I think it's a legit argument you might have because it it it's such a forgotten movie, but it is so it is sort of like it does it, it's sort of the pinnacle of all the things he does well, mm-hmm. like. I would I would 100% say that his top three movies are Memento, The Prestige, and, and Batman Dark. Begins. <laughs> I mean, I I I, I think I think Knight. the Batman Batman Be- I think Batman Begins is also an underrated movie. We are, I feel like I don't know. It's very hard with him because it's so easy to when you're having that discussion about his best movies and like sort of looking at it from a you know arguably pretentious eye to discount. Inception and The Dark Knight, and you know those are movies that we hold in very high regard. But because they're so, I don't know. No, I think The Dark Knight deserves a lot of credit. Is that we we downgrade them for that reason? No, I mean we talk about him a lot, and I like. I think like Interstellar is not a good movie. Like I think that's the worst of Christopher Nolan. It's just like you should this sort of. I I don't love it what? either, but you should watch it again. I don't love it either, but. It's better than when yeah. I, I disagree with that a lot, but I mean, I understand why you feel that way. Yeah, I just miss like the mementos and the prestiges, like him having sort of a, a lower budget and. Well, you've said that you say that about a lot of directors. I said and that, I agree, and I agree with uh, yeah. that. That the the smaller budget for the great directors is beneficial. All right, my number one, right? We're on number ones. Mm-hmm. It is gonna actually be another fin I have two Fincher movies on the list. It's Gone Girl. It's um Ben Affleck and Roseman Pike's um Oh, good 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 thought. Between yeah. the power struggle between those two because really that whole movie's about those two's power struggle and I love how Fincher in the end really nobody wins. It goes back yeah. it kinda goes back to normal. Fincher's fourth best great. movie. No, I don't remember where it was on my list. <laughs> well, it definitely wasn't fourth. No, it was ahead of Zodiac for me, which drove you guys nuts. <laughs> Made for a brilliant podcast, though. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, my number five. Uh, this isn't a movie that number I number five. You're you're going <laughs> back to the Jesus top. Number five. We got to wrap this up. My number. Please. My number one. Not a movie that I love, but I think this is the best battle for power 
on my list. Sergeant Barnes versus Sergeant Elias in Platoon. Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe. Uh, wow, I would not have remembered that. It's probably I've probably seen that movie within the last year or so. And I kind of have always felt the same way about the movie. Some great filmmaking, like really visceral movie. Um, very interesting character dynamics, but ultimately an Oliver Stone movie with Oliver Stone flaws. Um, but that that battle between those two is really interesting um, and ultimately really kind of drives a lot of the plot forward. So felt like it was worthy of my number one. That'll wrap things up for the favorite edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. See what I did there? Yeah. It's not necessarily people's favorite, but it was the movie The Favorite. Boring. Yeah. yeah and you're, we encourage you're... everybody to email us their feedback on that last comment at feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. <laughs> Check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. Uh, whatever you can do to let us know that you're listening. <laughs> because... We sometimes have our doubts. We struggle with that a little bit. <laughs> uh, but we listen to it and then send texts to each other saying, what do you think of the podcast? <laughs> I mean, honestly, if, if that wasn't, wasn't true, that'd be... It's true, guys. Uh, well, hey, some, a bunch of people listen to the Blade Runner podcast, so you're, they're yeah, out there true. somewhere. Okay. In 2049. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago, but you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as a backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination of a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I'd rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you're entitled to. Very nice. That was like almost word wow. for word. 